Welcome back to Canadian Puxedo. I am here with my good friend Charles Pickett, and I think last night we may have witnessed the statement game of the COVID era last night. How, I, I just don't. I, I I've seen a lot of anger, uh, just pretty much since the moment that that goal that they didn't consider a goal, the waved off one, and you can see you kind of see the puck bouncing around back there, but it's got to be conclusive. I've just seen nothing but flat out anger, and I'm just impressed. I am thoroughly impressed that the Leafs found a way to leaf it up, and it's like everyone's there's everyone's got to kind of take a step off. Uh, the ledge, I guess, or back in from the ledge because they hit the post five times. Yep. Two of those posts, the puck rang off both posts or a post and a crossbar. If I went into that dressing room and said, all right, they do the money on the board thing. Here's money on the board. I want five posts tonight. It's not going to (laughs) happen. Sure, yeah. And they scored a goal. They scored a goal. Like, they they scored a goal that they couldn't count. I don't think it's unfair that they didn't count, but I do think it's unlucky that there was not a camera in the right place. But I will say, because I can't have us doing this, Charles, this is not about us, man. This is not about the Toronto Maple Leafs. (laughs) It's fair. This is about the Vancouver Canucks. It really is. And don't get me wrong, I'm with you. I was mad. I It pissed me off that it's always the Leafs that – lets these charity things happen to like David Ayer, same thing, amazing story, always us getting plunked. But the reality is the Leafs are not the hero of the story. We are the villain. We're the biggest franchise. We get the most coverage. We're still doing it right now as we speak. But this ain't about the Leafs, buddy. This is about the Vans. I will add, before we move, I will add, I was mad. I was mad about one thing. Before the game, I was like, let's check the odds. And I was looking at it and I was like, I should put a hundred bucks on the Canucks right now. It was about five o'clock in the day. I was like, I should put a hundred bucks on the Canucks right now. But yes. I ended up texting someone and they talked me out of it. They're like, man, a hundred bucks. That's like, it's not exactly like a uncut gems bet, but I don't have a hundred bucks to just throw around at yeah. sports betting Sunday afternoon. And I was going to be like, okay, I'll put 10 bucks on it. Then I went to the grocery store, got back, did a few things, forgot. And by the time it like registered in my mind, I was just like, oh, well, I just lost out on at least a little bit of marginal happiness of the situation. Sure. But again, I have to pull back here. This is not about you. We start, you bring it to the Leafs. I bring it back to Canucks. You bring it back to your petty gambling addiction, Charles. <laughs> This is not a story about you. It's not about the Leafs. The Vancouver Canucks didn't play a game for 24 days. They got run over by the Leafs. The Leafs pelted them all night. In the, if, if you believe in a thing is deserving to win, or if you believe in a thing of what will happen and the more likely outcome, the Leafs win that game every time. But they didn't because there was magic in the fucking air. The story's incredible. They got so sick. It's a horrible thing. They come back. They yeah. play their game. Everyone thinks they're going to get run over. Braden Holtby has been shit. All yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't like to say that because as a man, I like Braden Holtby. I thought he was great in that Cavs run. I think just he's at the tail end of it. But he's he got was, pet turtles. He's got pet turtles. They got lost at the border. There's nothing. He yeah. loves the hip. He's, there's nothing not to like about Braden Holtby except, respectfully, his play in the last two years. <laughs> but last night, he turned back the clock. He was amazing. Vancouver comes back with their rookie, Niels Hoaglander, the deep freeze himself. 
scores the tying goal, and then Bo Horvat scores their fucking captain the, the scores captain, the in captain, overtime. You know, yeah, yeah. That is one of the most beautiful sports stories. We're just at the wrong end of it. You know what I mean? Again. <laughs> Again. Again. And, it, and yeah. listen, I will give our listeners who are not Leafs fans the satisfaction of letting you know that I'm hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, Charles, I, uh, as you said, you are too. The, the, so, like, everyone's like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's this, it's that, and they've all got their takes. I haven't yet seen anyone break it down like this. Matt, like, you, you, you work out a little bit. You've got an exercise routine, right? Mildly, <laughs> mildly. Okay, and and I'm I'm a I'm a distance runner. You're goddamn right. Have Have you taken a 24 day lapse in any form of your exercise routine, and then try to go back right where you left off and finish the same workout? Because that's what the Canucks did. Totally, and that's to me. Except like, they got I, sick in the to, middle. Well, yes. Long Regard, Yeah, obviously COVID. Yeah, COVID and the, and, and the implications of it. Like, even removing that. Like, say they got stranded at the border, like the movie Terminal for 24 days. Or like Braden Holpe's Turtles. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Just the fact. The fact being able to not only compete at the high level to they're playing and hanging in there with a team that's the head of the division and the Canucks have not done that well all year, but to make it go to overtime and then the Leafs didn't touch the puck in overtime. They didn't touch no, the puck and this is why I was like, man, there is magic fucking dust right now because Tyler was, Myers was who got caved in all night and who we <laughs> are, have been whipping on this podcast oh, yeah. every episode and rightfully yes. so he's been bad. He's just like the guy in the <laughs> Simpsons who can't fit in his car. He's just tall. Do I? Do you have a problem with the way that I drive my automobile? <laughs> <laughs> That's Tyler Myers. He came in, made a beautiful play, kept possession of the puck, turned it around, got it to Horvat. He scored. I've read a tweet from Justin Bourne, though, and it really brought something in. And he said, I hate that there's no fans. And that is heartbreaking because, my God, it would have been – that the roof would have went off the place. Yeah, th- that would have been the loudest that building had been. Arguably, maybe maybe it would have been louder since the Sidney Crosby Golden Gold. Yep. Yep, that would have been like totally. And 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 yeah, and that's and, sad. By the way, <laughs> it is sad because again, the Leafs are at least the bad guys were on the receiving end. Then you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I, it's just and again. I'm not – it's hard to be – any. look at it any any which way. And then people are like, oh, this is a firing – a warning shot or anything like that in Leafs land. I just simply – the only thing that I took away from this game is, my God, I hope Zach Hyman is okay. Okay, me too. So this is the only thing, and I can really wrap my head around the fact that, like I said, it's not about us. This is how I made this mental switch. I first I said, if this was the Montreal Canadiens, I would have loved it. But that's actually too far. If it was a team I was kind of indifferent about, like let's say your favorite imaginary franchise, the Florida Panthers. (laughs) (laughs) If it had been Florida and a team that I have no goodwill or negative thoughts about at all, I still would have been like, this is a story. And that's how I got around it. Except that little caveat that Alex Adler absolutely wrecked 
Zach Hyman's knee a very dirty hit, in my opinion. I heard people say he was hunting. He was hunting his knee for sport. He was hunting Zach Hyman's yeah. knee for sport. That's you know. He's got. And, I, I don't know what was going on in the NHL yesterday. It was like the equivalent of the purge, where they're just like, "There's no rules today." <laughs> Tom Wilson was doing an impression of Tom Wilson two years ago. Garnet Hathaway. Like, so many dirty hits yesterday. And, of course, because the NHL does not care about brain injuries at all, the only one that got a suspension is the one that took out a guy's knee. I am saying, that said, he is Edler's a repeat offender. He's already done that. I heard people say he only did it because he was tired. I understand the man's brain was lacking oxygen, and you get dumber. I'm not saying that's not true, <laughs> but he did this to Jordan Stahl before. Like, this is a repeat yeah. offender. That's It's I a shit move, and he deserves a suspension. Stahl. Was it Eric yeah, Stahl? It was, it, was, it was Eric Stahl, yeah. The, uh, that was an international tournament, too. That was the World Championships. And it's oddly similar to the same, like the exact same play. And people are like, oh, he, he was tired. He wasn't thinking. I was like, man, if your thought processes when you're tired are to injure somebody, be like, oh, sorry, <laughs> slipped up. Never had a good night's sleep last night. Sorry, buddy. Didn't mean to punch you upside the head like that. Like, I don't, I don't bite. You've got to be like – You've got to be held accountable. He uh, he got a two-gamer, plus you could argue that getting kicked out of the game last night kind of bumps it up to two-and-a-half game suspension. I think that is – that's fair. I, I don't think – like, there's no way I would be looking at that and being like, five games, throw the book at him. I don't think so. It's, it's, it is a two-gamer. Uh, I just hope Zach Hyman's okay. I yeah, we have no news – at the time of recording, because we'll, we'll, it's probably this will come out while we're recording, I bet. There's no news about Zach Hyman. I'm a lot less happy about two games if that guy's out for the year. I, I, I really don't believe in the punishment being a, a, a sub-factor of how hurt a player is. I don't believe in that because injuries happen, and I, I just don't I – can't, I can't subscribe to that being like, he's out for the year, so this guy's got to get a 10-gamer. I can't do it. Fair, um, fair I enough. Just, yeah, I will I, say I, I'm I, not I, saying you're not right. I'm just saying I won't be happy. Personally, now, yeah, personally, I you will hear me screaming from my home because uh, we're doing this by Zoom, and you'll you'll hear me, and I, I I'm like a 15 minute drive away from you, so you'll you'll hear me making up imaginary curse words because the ones that I already know just won't feel serious enough. Yeah. They played with 5D the whole game because of that piece of shit play. Tyler Myers played 30 minutes and set up the winner. This is like, it just wasn't going to happen last night. And honestly, if we, if we will bring it back to the Leafs a little bit, it's like that Ottawa come from behind loss. We talked about that. And people will freak out because these losses are emotional and they suck to watch. But every game is worth two points. If you win, you get two. If you lose, you get none. It doesn't really matter how it happens in the larger scale of things. The Leafs are going to finish first. The Canucks are not going to make the playoffs. But goddamn, it'd be fun if they did. If they made the cra- – this would be the, the craziest story. But, I mean, that's – Well, yeah, you go, yeah you, you go from a, a, a good story being a game. And if they go on a run here, because they, they're like – I think they've got eight games in hand. Yeah, got, I think it's yeah, I think it's eight. So if they go on a run here, and somehow, I it would be I don't I don't think it's possible. I think they would have to win out, and then certain teams would have to lose. There's an eight percent chance. That's yeah, where that's what it's projected. So it's almost nothing. But that said, even if that, they made the team in fourth sweat, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. Uh, 
Yeah. Okay. Well, and good on JT Miller for, uh, I think JT Miller really got, you know, got those games postponed a little bit. And I don't think that that team had their back, man. So I think there's, there's some real toxic brewing in Vancouver right now. And I don't think, uh, Jim Benning, I don't, I can't see how that, you know, oh, I can't see how Jim Benning comes the, back uh, next year. And that he's got the banker's boxes already, you know, like when you see a guy cleaning out his office, <laughs> they've got that like standard Brown box that you see only in the movies. He's got them at the ready in his office. He's probably got one of them already packed. He's probably just started and like, might as well get ahead of this framed picture. I felt bad for, I felt bad for Ole Olevi a little bit just because uh, Ole Olevi, he's got a hard name to say, forgive me. <laughs> you know, he missed a year with a knee injury. Now he's like still out with COVID. So, you know, I hope he gets better because he's supposed to get some minutes down the line. And I think that he's a young player who was once very promising, who I would like to see personally put it all together. Um, Jack Campbell did not have a great game. Um at all, I think. I don't think it was – I'm not saying it was Jack Campbell's fault. I think no. uh, it was the universe's fault, and we could have had uh, a vintage-era Dominic Hasek in net, and the Vancouver Canucks would have found a way to win because that's what was supposed to happen last night. Subscribing to fate, I see, Matt. Subscribing to fate. A hundred percent. There's certain things about Jack Campbell that – Okay, I, I will preface this by saying I adore Jack Campbell. I would, I would gladly jump in front of a, maybe not a bus, but a taxi cab zooming down a Toronto street. I'd, I'd take a cab. I'd take a cab hit. Like if a cab were going to hit me or Jack Campbell, I'd jump in front of the cab. I just really, really hope he's like not. There's there's a difference between being critical of yourself or, or, or being aware of your mistakes. Then there's a like of just beating yourself senseless like he's been doing. And it's it it's, gets upsetting to watch. It's like, dude, you let in two goals and one in three on three. The one in three on three, I, you can't fault a goalie in three on three unless it's like off his ass or something. I just yeah. – you can't fault a goalie in three on three. You let in two goals on 24 shots. That's better than that's better than a lot of the fucking games we've had other people play so far this year. I do like that he's accountable, but I, I agree with you, Charles. If I'm Sheldon Keefe – I'm calling him in the office this morning and I'm bringing up, I'm not even yeah. saying anything. I'm just showing him his numbers. His save percentage is still 919. High, da- high danger save percentage, like all the advanced goalie stats, he's crushing. He's had a great year. You got David Riddick in there. David Riddick has been, I think, uh, 910 since he's played. So, like, you don't need to do it all. Just be in there, be yourself, be solid. You're a good man. Everyone loves you. Yeah, stop the ones you're supposed to stop. That's it. That's all you can ask of him. And and I, I think he did that last night. One thing I like the only thing I'm watching for these games, and I feel like we're, we're we're spending a little bit too much time on the Leafs here, but the only thing I'm watching for these games now going down the stretch uh, are just bad habits. I'm just Well, this is our Leafs section for what it's worth. So it's like get the yeah, Leafs okay. out now. I'm I'm just keeping an eye on bad habits and we're we're uh two in, in our last four we've we've got losses, but two of them are loser points, OT points on them. But I've noticed in three of the four last games, the exact same play ends up in the back of our net, and that's a forward's got the puck in the offensive zone, but he's up high. He goes no look to a defenseman because he doesn't have a clean shooting lane himself. It gets picked off. It ends up in the back of the net. It happened against Montreal. It happened against Winnipeg. And it happened against Vancouver. That is the stuff that drives me insane because it's a bad habit and it's consistently there. 
the fact that we hit the post nine times, I'm not watching. That that that's just amazing to me. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh my god, what happens if we get into the playoffs and we hit the post nine times? Like, well, I'd be like, Jesus, that's a lot of posts. But I don't know why these players are one. I don't know why they're fucking going to, to the defensemen anyway because our defensemen just don't shoot. Besides Jake Muzzin, Jake Muzzin has shot. He has a look, but like yeah, he'll drive a hammer. He'll, he'll he'll drive a hammer, but I just don't. It's the stuff like that that kind of leads me to watch these little skids in the season or when things aren't going right. It's like, all right, well, you got to change something and let's simplify what we're doing in the offensive zone. If there's no shooting lane, get it behind the net. Let's try mm-hmm. getting a guy behind the net and working there. We got Joe Thornton on this team in the fourth line, which looked great last night. By yeah, the way. he's thrown. He's he's hit more in the last two games. It's like deliberately. Uh, Jonas Siegel had an article about this in the Athletic. He's hitting way more, which is interesting. It feels like he's embracing a new role a little bit. And honestly, yeah. at this point with Nick Foligno coming in, he has to if he's going to stay in the lineup because he's right on the fringe yeah. there, man. Yeah, he is. I, I think I think with Joe Thornton in that fourth line and, and how they've played the last two games. Uh, I think I think Pierre Engvall's got to be the odd man out when Foligno comes here. Uh, I also think that um, I got a nickname for that line. Eh? I'm calling them the autograph line because <laughs> night in and night out, they're playing against a bunch of kids who would be like, hey, when I was nine, you gave me your autograph. I dig and it. And it'd be like, yeah, and it'd be like, well, when was that, 20 years ago, kid? It's like, no, nine years ago. Because <laughs> they're just playing against teenagers. So that's that's what I'm calling him. I'm calling him the autograph line. Well, this man is probably will get a few autographs as well, but not so much. This is the one positive. Let me just lay this out real quick in terms of sky falling. Yep. They yeah, that last week they had a shit week. I will say though, in terms of if you want to get some perspective, this is from Kristen Shilton. Mm-hmm. Since March 19th, the Leafs have lost two games, earning 21 of a possible 28 points, tied for the second best points percentage in the NHL, and that's with the power play being ice cold. So the Leafs are fine. I want the puck on William Nylander's stick more going into the entering the zone on the power play. He's the best on the team at it, and teams have really started to read Marner, which is fine, but we have other options. The other thing that makes me happy before we bring on Brittany Lysing to talk about the goddamn Calgary Flames is that John Tavares had a real quiet start to the year, and no one was really talking about how his minute use was down. And when Nylander went out and Matthews went out last week, John Tavares was wide awake. He put together... John Tavares is as good right now as he has been. I love that he's coming on for the playoffs, and I love that the power play is going to go through its little cold streak now and not against whoever we play in the first round. Hopefully. Uh, I did some looking up about um, recently if there was a team that had this bad of a power play and some playoff success. And there was. Uh, the Boston Bruins, actually, believe it or not, in the shortened season, had an unbelievably bad power play in the playoffs. Just like their power play goals were like ones and twos in series. Wow. And they made the finals that year. So. The playoffs is a five-on-five game, no doubt. That is true. And and I don't know how many penalties were called back in that. I'm sure 2015 or 14, Charles, whenever that was, that shortened season, I'm, I'm sure he was irate about the amount of about the lack of penalties. Well, to cheer you up from that horrifying trip down memory lane you just took, 
we are going to bring on the very, very funny Brittany Lysing to talk about the Calgary Flames. Okay, so let me ask you this. We're in a bit of a weird spot, and we kind of have been all year. So, Brittany, we've been doing this podcast about the Canadian division. Yeah. And we thought it would be tighter. Yeah. Your Flames are one of the teams that we thought would be closer into it. Basically, now, the handicap odds right now is that Toronto, Calgary, and Winnipeg – or, sorry, Toronto, Edmonton, and Winnipeg are at about 80% likely to make it. Montreal's at about 80. Calgary is down to 20, which, for what it's worth, uh, you know, Montreal's really fallen off in the last little while, and you guys are fighting them for a playoff spot. And yeah, it's not... I was looking at the games in hand. Even I think Montreal's got 14 more games to play. Calgary's got 12, I think. Yeah. And they'd, they'd basically, Montreal would have to go on like a 14 game losing streak, and we'd have to go on a 12 game winning streak. So, <laughs> so here's the numbers uh, a combination of five wins from Montreal and five losses from the Flames will officially put them out. Okay. So it's a real, it, it's either a Disney story or it's not going to happen. And I guess my question to you is this. When the year began, did you expect this? No, um, not at all. Because they, they came out such a, from, from last year, I mean, they, they, they came out running, I thought. I, I thought they were, they were headed in the right direction. Markstrom uh, was a big hope for me. I when when we got him, I was pumped. I was thinking like, okay, finally we got a goaltender. And like, this is such a thing of Calgarians. We're all just like living in the Kippersoft days, which I realized was two thousand four. Yeah. So we're just like waiting for that goalie to come along to save us. And I had so much hope in my heart for Markstrom uh, to be that goalie. Which not to say he won't be, but uh, to answer your question, no, I, I didn't think we'd be in this place. I thought we'd be further ahead. I didn't think we'd be the top of the league by any means. But I, I thought we'd do a lot better. I, I'm, I'm really shocked at where we're at. I agree with you about Markstrom for what it's worth. I do think he's a, a quality goalie, and he has really turned it on lately. Like, since they've been, it's been really do or die. Yeah. Uh, some of the guys, in the last four games, you got Markstrom with a 944. Mark Giordano, five points in the last four games. Lindholm has been kind of clicking all year. Even your mortal enemy, Johnny Goudreau, has been playing well lately. <laughs> He's just such a sissy. He bugs me. I just yeah. can't stand. <laughs> him and Monaghan, like they're to wrap your entire team's hopes around Monaghan and fucking Goudreau. Good luck. Like, I just feel like it's, they're so. They don't set each other up. They're terrible line mates. And they've been paired together for 243 years, it feels like. It's like either break them up, trade Monaghan, get Goudreau to where he needs to be, put somebody next to him that can help him out there. I don't know. They drive me mental. If you had to trade one, who would you trade? Monaghan. And what would you? What return does not anger you? Because it also sucks when your team is not doing well and you trade a guy who is good and then you don't get anything for him, and you're like, well, for fuck's sake. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, maybe, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that you're going to get a good return on Monaghan, but I also don't think he's, he's putting out the way he needs to be. Or he's, he's, I don't know, they're not, a good, they're not a good line. Break it up. If you're not going to trade somebody, break that line up. Mm-hmm. That's what I've always up. wondered. Like, I just don't think. Put Kachuk on that line. Like, who cares? It seems like they're tethered together. Like, it just seems like they, they're not willing to try any other combo. What did they fucking blood brothers one day and they can't ever, <laughs> they kissed in the shower and now they can never be separated? I hate it. Like, why? It bugs me so much. Like, they're not good together. Break it off. 
Um, I figured Sutter coming in would just split up that line. I thought he'd ride in on a dirt. Uh, he'd put a cigarette out on Lucci's head and burn something in the dressing room. And everybody would shake it up. You know, we, were, we had such high hopes, but nothing really like, I mean, it's coming along, but I'd really like to see that line split up. Yeah. What's your thoughts on the Sutter era since, I mean, that's been a little bit of a change. I love that our hopes uh, for Sutter were so high and still continue to be. They're just like, get that 62 year old man out of retirement. <laughs> Bring him back and light a fire under these guys' ass. <laughs> All our hopes are just like, get, I don't know. It's so desperate. It, it's so like shameful how desperate the Flames are right now. They're like, get that guy out of retirement. Get that Swedish goalie from Vancouver. I, you know, it's very like, Lucci, step it up a notch. What happened to you, big guy? Like, everyone's just like, anybody do anything. Like, you know. I, it's funny, Get Milan the time machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we're that all, would be good. still just like hanging off that 2004 almost win all of us were like that first of all that goal was fucking in and tampa bay can suck it we're like okay it's been 20 years uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're still mad we want we want to kip us off we want sutter to come back and fix us that's funny i remember that run because that run was magical because if you don't like jerome mcginlaw you're a fucking demon and he fought one, like he fought one star player every round. Like he fought Le Cavalier. He fought uh, who was I don't even remember who the other ones. Darian Hatcher, maybe. Yeah. I can't. Oh, I can't remember. But but like when we talk about fighting in hockey, because sometimes like knowing what I know about concussions now, I'm like, oh, I don't enjoy it quite as freely as I used to. But I do love a good like. My star player is mad and he just wants to beat the wheels off someone. And Jerome McGinley is <laughs> always the example I use for that. I got my Jerome pitcher behind me, uh, just uh, living my life over here. I but love he... it. <laughs> yeah, Jerome is like uh, our God and Savior. We're like he because he was a, he was an all around player. He was a team guy. He was a he was he was a you know he was a there on the ice. He could stand up for himself. He. You know that that's why I think that I get so mad at Goudreau because I look at I look at it again mm-hmm. and I go that guy was a dressing room guy that was, he was there on the ice he stood up for himself he he came to play every game and I think I think Goudreau's not that at all so so sometimes we I think I think we're all making those old comparisons and we want that team back and we're not going to get it yeah it's always. Uh... It's hard, and, and I mean, again, the captaincy transferred from again to Mark Giordano, who, I mean, has had a decent year. He's certainly fallen off a bit because he's not a young man, which kind of leads me to my next question, which is <laughs> who's putting that C on when he goes? I say Kachuk will. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think no Kachuk brainer. will. He's, yeah, he's, no he's, I've heard nothing but amazing things about him uh, on and off the ice. He's, he's a team guy. He's a morale guy. He's, you know, what, Gio? I don't think Gio is a bad captain. He's just like kind of a little guy. Like anytime you hear him talk, you're like, oh, it sounds like he kind of wants to be there. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, he's pretty stoic. Like, yeah, he's pretty stoic. I didn't like how uh, there were there were some times in the season where Kachuk was getting, you could clearly tell he was getting frustrated and like getting in fights and being a little chirpier than he normally is, which is pretty chirpy. <laughs> and he was like, and the whole team wouldn't back him up. And Geo yeah. kind of spearheaded that. And I think, I think there was like some stuff in the media that Sutter came in and, and told them like, he, that's the guy you got to back up. He's the only one that seems to care on the ice right now. Okay. So according to Brittany, you think the first ever captain in the history of the NHL who has a mullet and racing stripes at the same time will be Matt <laughs> Kachuk. Can you, can you give me a dark horse? If, if it's not Matt Kachuk, who, who would really shock you? 
I don't know who would shock. Well, Lucic. I mean, or not Lucic. who would shock you. I mean, obviously, you could just say like the worst player on the team. But like, who who is a who is a a vague possibility if not I, Kachuk? Yeah, Lucic, Lucic, Lin Lindholm. I don't know. Not Monahan. Get Monahan. <laughs> Kick him the. He's got to go. I can even if Monahan was capped, I would burn all my jerseys. I'd be like, you know what? I've I, I see we've given up. I see that's what's happening. Awesome. <laughs> Do you miss? Here's my next question for you. Then the next questions are: I've, uh, I'm going to employ you as a scout for the podcast, if you don't mind. <laughs> sure. Just the drunkest scout ever. <laughs> Sam Bennett just went. He was a fourth overall pick, and never that guy ne- just straight up never worked out. And obviously, it's a small sample size, but he, I think, is a point of game so far in Florida, and he looks like he's a nice fit. Do you guys think you're going to regret that, or do you think it was the type of thing that it never would have worked for your old friend Sam Bennett? Old Sammy B wasn't working out. I mean, they had him what as a third line forward. He he couldn't figure out what he wanted to play. He, mm-hmm. he you know, are you a centerman or are you a winger? What do you want to do? I know that like early in the season, Ward was trying to get him to figure out what he wanted. Do you want to play left wing? Okay, then you can play up on the first line. Do you want to play center? Well, you're not you're not a first line center. You're a third line center. Okay. So either bring it on the third line as a center, or uh, I don't know eat it and go up and play left wing where you can still score goals and be, you know what I mean? Like I, it, it seems to me that he, he didn't want to work out. He didn't want to like, he didn't want to play where he was needed, I guess. I don't know. And then Mm -hmm. it seemed like it almost seemed like when he started doing good, it was like they were showcasing him so they could trade him. They're like, okay, get him up in the line, get him playing good, get him so we can at least get somebody for him. This season, Sam Bennett to me reeked as a player that hates his job. 100%. Like, you know, yeah, like he just hated his job. Doesn't matter what the job is. He's a pro hockey player. You can still hate your job. And this entire season, and then Sutter came in and he got a little bit of a bump of ice time, which was definitely showcasing him. And it's like, hey, guys, and second thought, uh, don't trade me. I want to stick around. It's like, good fucking luck. Pack your bags. Well, there, this seems to be a disease in the NHL right now. I don't know if it's generational or whatever, but like – these guys, like, I know Pierre Luc Dubois, um, I mean, who wants to play for fucking torts? He's a loser and a half. But <laughs> he comes up every podcast. I love oh, it. Fuck, Plus, I hate his yeah. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I, I can't remember. We almost, like, he almost, like, beat the piss out of our coach <laughs> when there was, like, oh, do you remember that big Vancouver-Calgary brawl? Yep. And torts just comes a swing in through the, the back hallways. I was laughing. I was like, this what guy a goon. is unhinged. He was coaching that Tampa team that won too, right? Like, <laughs> unbelievable. What a bizarre – oh, speaking of bizarre, man, this is my favorite segue ever. So our very first podcast, Charles and I were having a real big laugh because we were looking at David Riddick, yeah. who uh, got pulled from a game in Calgary and then headbutted a wall, and we thought it was so <laughs> funny. Then I read this profile about him in The Athletic this week, and apparently he asks – uh, someone on his team to lightly ring a couple shots off his head in warm up, and I'm seeing this video. I don't know if you saw this video of the kid who found it, whose favorite player was David Riddick, and the boy is like, "Where's David Riddick?" And his dad's like, "He went to the Toronto. He needed a backup goalie." And he's like, "But I wanted him to be that backup goalie for the Flames." Oh, it's, it's like heart melting. And Riddick called him and stuff for what it's oh. worth. So he seems like a good man, and we're happy to have him. What are your What are your thoughts on David Riddick? Big save, Dave. Uh, he came in, uh, what, off that Stockton team, I guess, you know, and he was he, he had come right out of uh, uh, 
he was like fresh out of the, he wasn't, you know, anywhere. They just kind of picked him out of nowhere. Yeah, totally. Like he was like somebody that no one had their eyes on. Uh, and he came into the flames. He kind of was under the uh, mentorship of Mike Smith at the time. And you could see when Smith came in, how his, uh, how he changed as a player, as a goalie. I'm not like a big Smith fan because Smith is so erratic and like has these insane games where he's like the best goal you've ever seen. And then the next game, you're just like, what are you doing that big guy? Like he's in the corner (laughs) rifling pucks for just no good reason. You're like five people in here, but they, um, I feel like Riddick started playing like Smith all of a sudden. Yeah. Like he was like out of his net all the time and he was being like inconsistent and uh, he had a hard he had a hard couple of seasons. So he was like, it it was like they wanted to push him in. I don't think they ever wanted him to be a starting goalie, but it was like between him and Talbot at one point, and yeah. that was weird. And they chose Talbot over Riddick, and then he kind of stepped in again. And it's like they never really wanted him to be a starting goalie, but he kept having to take those chances, and he kept blowing them. Right. So like as a backup goalie, I, I think he's a great guy that you can put in when you when your your starter needs a rest. I think he's a he's a big team guy. I he's got a huge personality. It's so fun to watch him take a slap at someone for being near him. It's like he's he's such a fun I love a personality. Yeah. And like Mike Smith, I always see him like yelling at his own teammates and losing his mind. And I'm like, this guy's crazy and he's a dick. David Riddick to me has always been like fun crazy. Oh yeah, he's just fun crazy and just like even I liked that first game like uh Calgary and Toronto playing each other when he's on the plane. And of course oh. Kna- Kitchuk comes in and snows him and he just takes a whip at him right away. And I, <laughs> I was like, I do love Riddick. He's yeah. fun to watch. The- I think you'll I think you'll be frustrated and excited by him in, in equal amounts. Mm-hmm. Did anyone see the quotes? Uh, they they interviewed like uh, two or three Calgary guys about the plane ride, and they were like, "Oh, it was so much fun! It was so great! It was so much fun!" And then they interviewed Dave Riddick, and he was like, "It was all right." Think about how <laughs> just think about how much they were just giving it to him for like three hours. It's oh, just like everyone's 100%. like, percent." Yeah, it's like just, when your buddies are just like you're just the you get picked on for the day. It's just your day to get shit on. And the whole day, everyone was like, what a fun day. You're like, yeah, I almost cried nine times. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah. when you're like almost swelling up, all your buds are just like, oh, give it a rest. Fucking rain it in. Knock it off. It's the most <laughs> common was- thing said to him the whole plane ride. It's like, you're not even on the team anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you sit over there. Dave sits by himself. Like yeah. Forrest Gump yeah. jokes just the whole day. All right. Put so- him in the emergency exit. Put him in the emergency exit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, before I let you go, I have two more questions. Uh, the, the last one especially is rapid fire. So the first question is, who on the Calgary Flames does not get enough credit from the rest of the media? Lindholm. My man. Yeah, I think we all agree. We, uh, we pump the tires of Lindholm here uh, quite frequently. Yeah, we're Lindholm truthers on this podcast. Yeah, but, but once a week. Yeah. Uh he's an all-around player. He's where he needs to be all the time. He's he does exactly what he's put there to do. He's for some reason just gets looked over and uh he could be so much more useful to us. It's like it's like if we've got guys that can play, put them out, put more ice time. Let's let's see what they can do. I I, I feel like Sutter's been playing him a little more, but I mean it's just I, I'd love to him and Kachuk and I I don't know. That's a good I love I, it. I, I like it. 
Okay, so my last question is, and for what it's worth, and I do mean this, Brittany, <laughs> I hope you guys overtake the Habs and you make the playoffs. I'd love to see it. I'm it would not be a certain. Cinderella story. It would be insane. It would be if Cinderella had a mullet and racing stripes. <laughs> <laughs> right down the side. And stab someone with a sliver instead of letting it fall off. I think it would be <laughs> a very Cinderella story. Um <laughs> Who do you have coming out of the Canadian division? Which team? If it is the way it stands right now, if, if it ends up as it is right now, we got Montreal, Toronto, the Jets, and the Oilers. Who you got coming out? Oh, I, I mean, I'd say Toronto probably, right? Oh, my God. It is. Checks it's, in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, just as a Calgarian, I, I can't emphasize how much I, I, I hate uh, I hate the Leafs. I, I hope they don't do well. Um, there's there's true hate in my hearts while I look into your eyes. Yeah. Uh, but you know, <laughs> they're go- They're having a great year. They're having a great year. Uh, it's it. You do want a Canadian team to win, and if you're gonna, it, it, like that's what it comes down to. Is you're like, well, if there's a team that's gonna go and do well, like send send the best team. See? I don't think um, the Jets are there. Like I I I, I it would be nice. That would be another sort of good story to see they're kind of they they've been kind of an underdog and they've been coming up and building a pretty good team and you know their captain's doing a lot better than he has been i don't know that would be it would good be good to see the jets but i i think the leafs are issuing well i can't figure a better way to end it than that that's just <laughs> i mean that's absolutely delightful Brittany, thank you sized for my ring <laughs> <laughs> I hope that, uh, oh my God, I hope the world opens soon and we can do some shows again, but it's good Thank to see you. And thanks for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my God, you're a beaut. Tell Jerome again, I say hello and I wish your boys the very best. Hey, we, we, uh, we can only say the same for you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, Brittany. Oh yeah, okay, so follow Brittany oh, yeah. on, uh, on Twitter and on Instagram and get her album. Oh, and you wanted to plug your podcast, is that right? Oh yeah, I have a, I have a podcast called Life Pairings Podcast where we pair uh, life events with alcohol. So just like I'm, Canada Day with rye whiskey. And okay, that's my language exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Canada Day is my favorite day of the year, so pair it with anything. Pair it with just whatever you have sitting at the bottom of your cellar. <laughs> All right, Brittany. You were awesome. Thanks, man. All right, man. Cheers. Bye. Thanks, Brittany. All right. That was Brittany Lysing. She talked about Mike Smith a little bit, and I have been watching Mike Smith all year. At this point in the season, we are past the trade deadline. Mike Smith still leads goalies in save percentage with more than five games. He has the, in the division, that is, of course, ahead of Hellebuck still. If you look at the fancier stats, Hellebuck's ahead of him, but you got Mike Smith has been putting together a season, an absolute season. And uh, again, we talked about last week that Ken Holland said that they weren't, they can't go for it every year. Oh, by the way, real quick, and we don't have time to talk about this because we've already talked about the Leafs too much, but I will have to say that the goalie in second place, high save percentage, Michael Hutchinson. Michael fucking Hutchinson. Not kidding. And if you would allow goalies (laughs) with four games, Philip Gustafson, or as he's known on this podcast, the man in blue pads. Blue pads. So still rocking them. Still rocking those blue pads. Now, here's my problem now with the Edmonton Oilers. And I was the more I was reading about this, the more I'm like, this is a tire fire that we have not said enough about. The Edmonton Oilers 
So we took those two weeks. We took one week on this podcast to look at old trades. We took another week to cover the trade deadline. So we weren't as into the nitty gritty of what was going on each week in the division itself. So in the eight games since we've covered that, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl have combined for 13 points. McDavid has seven. Every other forward on the Edmonton Oilers has combined for seven points. That team is brutal. They have the best first line and they have three fourth lines. What are they doing? They have a 40% goals for percent, a 40% goals for percentage without McDavid and Dreisaitl on the ice. And Paul Yarvey's been good with them. He's been a bit snake bit, but he's charging possession. Would you split those guys up? No. No, I wouldn't. I uh, just, just like, even by looking at the stats layout, like if you go into the stats leaders on the, on, on the, on the NHL website or whatever website you use, I'm a Sportsnet guy. If you were to go on the stats section and you'd see Connor McDavid and then the next guy closest to him within 20 points is the guy he's feeding. Like uh-huh. it's, it's more, it's his, his little brother that he's walking onto the school bus every morning and giving a junior juice to. I mean, and then I below dry sidle, but fair enough. Go ahead. Yeah. And then below that, like the next closest to him is Patrick Kane, who I think is like, as time of recording, he's like 27 points back. It is just, he's, he's likely in a 56 game season. Like he's likely going to be in the 82 point register, which is hilarious to me or beyond, which is hilarious to me. Cause a few years ago in an 82 game season, somebody won the fucking Art Ross with like 83 or 84 <laughs> points. So it's, it is it is absolutely insane to say like, hey, we are third in the division. We uh, have we have the Art Ross on lock by I don't know a quarter mile at this point. We have the greatest offensive threat known to man. Like he's an atomic bomb of an offensive threat, but we can't go for it every year. We just we can't do that. I can't I can't trade for a player unless I've already traded before before once because I'm Ken Holland and that's what I do. Well, insane. To me. I think that is a very very good case to keep them together. I think that's very well argued. I'm going to give you nine reasons why they should split them up. Nine. Nine. Kyler Yamamoto, Dominic Cahoon, Gaten Haas, <laughs> Zach Cashin, Drew Short, Someone Nygaard, Alex Chason, Jujar Kara, and Josh Archibald. Some of these guys are fucking Gossip Girl characters. It's insane. They have a bottom nine. A bottom nine, Charles. I just let bring Cashin back up to play with McDavid and just let him shoot in pucks off his head or something. It's They're getting caved in. Oh, except no, when. you can't, you can't, you can't do it because if, if, like if, 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 if you split them up and then they don't have that magic still, the Oilers could probably slip out of the fucking playoff picture. Well, they can't, there's almost unlike that they want. So they got to start yeah, trying new stuff. And I have some ideas. Okay. If you don't want to split them up, which is fair if you don't, but I mean, you can't be getting caved in 40% when they're not on the ice. If that's what they're going to do, that is the team that I would want out of the Jets, the Canadians, and the Leafs. I want to play the Oilers in the first round because sure, even if McDavid and Dreisaitl light you up, you have 65% of the game that besides Kyler Yamamoto, these guys are fourth line players. Here's the thing though. This is a constant theme I'm always reading on Twitter from Oilers fans. The Oilers, and this is a constant critique of Ken Holland, 
the Oilers, uh, Ken Holland always waits so goddamn long to bring his young talent in. So there's three guys right now playing for the AHL team. Cooper Merity, Tyler Benson, Ryan McLeod. Benson and McLeod are second-round picks. They are all in the top five of AHL scoring. They're on one line, and they're tearing up the AHL. Fucking bring, bring the them all bring the up. Full, yeah, bring the full lineup at that point. Like, yeah. I, I, McLeod's going in tonight, by the way. Uh, or he's okay. – actually, I don't think he's going in, but he's he is called up. But, like – what are you doing? These guys, like, you're hanging, you're, I understand you want to get your guys going, but you, I don't know if you know it or not, but, you know, life is short, man. You got Connor McDavid. Do not waste a year. I, I just can't imagine, like, I cannot, and maybe McDavid doesn't want them to be split up. That's the the one thing I keep kind of coming back to. Like, if I am the Edmonton Oilers, I go to Connor McDavid and ask, what do you want? That's it. That's yeah, all. And I then he says, I want to leave. Because well, you have Nate Archibald on our team. Yeah, no. Well, and that's that's the that literally that's the only way I'm handling Connor McDavid right now. I'm just going to him. It's like, okay, Connor, what do you like within reason? If he's like, oh, I want a helicopter to bring me to Vegas every other day, it's like, well, no, we're not going to do that. But it's like in terms of who you're playing with, what what, what would you like? What do you want? Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's how I would do it. So, and I I have. I have very little doubt that that's kind of how they're handling it in Edmonton, and that's probably why they haven't been split up. Um, I think there's also some sort of weird curse, like an albatross, that if the Oilers have a franchise player, they've got to skate with some guy who would probably not be in the league on the other team. Like Gretzky had, like, McSorley and all these other guys who – to be quite frank, like the second Wayne left, it's like, oh, Jesus, this guy's rough. And Connor spent so much time with Zach Cassian, who is the only man I can think of 2021 that sports mutton chops on purpose. <laughs> like, I just don't. I just, I would like to know why that is such a thing there. I, they've tried other people. Like, they've, I've, I thought that the additions of, like, they brought in Kyle Turris, and I was like, oh, yeah, maybe he can kind of catch where he used to be a couple of years ago, but no, he has not. Didn't work, uh, sadly. He has not. He, no, it did not work. Um, if I'm like, yeah, if you've got a line that's putting up massive success in the AHL right now, and you've got, like you alluded to, a bottom nine, I can think of three players right off the top of my head that don't need to be in that lineup. Um, I think with the exception like, of Yamamoto... And maybe if you, depending on how you feel about Jujar Kara, you don't even I, need I keep to pick. Him. Close your eyes and guess. Yeah, I keep, those are the two I keep. I also probably keep Jesse Pugliarvi because he can't. Oh, no, no, no. You absolutely yeah. keep Jesse Pugliarvi. Yeah. Jesse Pugliarvi is the unluckiest guy in the league right now. He's got, no, seriously, <laughs> he's got the lowest, lowest shooting percentage. He's like, he is playing well. He's just, if you're an Oilers fan Perfect. and you're bummed out at how he's doing, look at his underlying numbers. They will make you happier. Yeah, I, and that's that's what that's what I would do there. Um, yeah, if, if if it was like uh, one of my favorite chaos theory things is is Jeff Merrick, uh, who he's one of my favorite sportscasters. He wants the NHL to transition to whoever wins the President's Trophy. I guess I shouldn't say he wants. He's shopped the idea. Whoever wins the President's Trophy just gets to pick their opponent sure. for the playoffs. Yeah, just like pro wrestling it up. And if you could do that this year, and if you win the President's Trophy, I'm picking the Oilers, like right away. I'm like, yep, then. 
them right now and then whatever the chips lie in the you know if you get past the oilers whatever the chips lie okay then i want them i want a team that resembles the oilers and what does it say for their roster construction that you want to play the team who has the best player in the world and a top three offensive player in the world arguably um here's another thing it gets worse charles There's an Oilers defenseman who ranks on their team. He's first in Corsi 4, which is scoring chances. Uh, he's first in expected goals, which is kind of normalized shooting percentage. Evan Bouchard is not playing, and you're marching out Chris Russell to get caved in every night because his shin pads get in the way of a few shots. And guess what, Charles? It gets worse. <laughs> So, we talked about last week, and I know you don't want to get into this, and don't even weigh in if you don't want to, but I have to get this off my chest. Taylor Hall, okay, so on the Staff and Graph podcast this week, Rachel Dory, who is, like, brilliant, she's to work for the Devils, she's, a, you know, she's, she's like a hockey genius, but she, was, she worked for the Devils when Hall was there, so she said, for a fact, in her words, that it wasn't just the Bruins that Hall would have went to. Taylor Hall would have waived his no trade to go to the following teams. The Bruins, of course, the Islanders, the Nashville Predators, the Colorado, the Colorado Avalanche, the Edmonton Oilers, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Ken fucking Holland was like, no, I don't want to part with a second round pick for Drew, a- Drew DeCara. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, and it's like that's the that was the price for Hall. The price for Taylor Hall was a second round pick and a middling young player. I'm not saying Taylor Hall is going to win a Hart Trophy. I am saying that the worst version of Taylor Hall is better than 90 percent of the players in this league. And the Oilers, my gentle Jesus, if you add Taylor Hall to that team, that changes the fucking game. I know me and you have been arguing about whether he improves the Leafs. <laughs> Uh, and you say no because you have some type of mental insanity. But no, I do not say no. I just don't. I don't think he addresses the key problem of the Leafs. We've been over this. The Leafs' previous this core, their failures in the playoffs have always been they're up by two or three goals, and then they explode while pissing and shitting their pants and yes, lose they do. The game. Yes. Which is why you I get don't someone think like Nick Foligno and. You get Nick Foligno, or you get... Uh, I always forget this guy's name because he's so goddamn boring, but he's very effective. Um, Riley Nash? Riley Nash. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. The, yeah. The, yeah, the Waluigi of Rick Nash. Rick Nash, all offense, <laughs> scores like a madman. Riley Nash never, ever scores, and nothing happens in the zone. They do well to do there. My play there is I, I just said, don't pay a first for Polino. I mean, or even if you do, pay a fucking second, get Taylor Hall, throw him on your team. It makes your team better. I can't... Just we, I understand that what happened to us hurt you, Charles, and I know you're hurt, but that doesn't mean there's a limit of good players you can have on the team. Have so many good players, you need look, fucking look. four to five that can shut the game down. We've the rest is the contest to fling rubber players. into a net. <laughs> You've got like if we're paying 40 million for people to score, why bring on another million and a half? Because like, he makes your team better. Better don't galaxy brain this. Better players make a better team. And then you could have done that and you could have spent a lower draft pick and you could have got fucking, I don't know, Carl Soderberg, who does what Nick Felino does for much less, and it would have been fine. That said, I think Nick Felino's gonna be fine, but Taylor Hall would have been great, and I think it's 
to not acquire Taylor Hall for a second round pick for the Leafs, are all, I will say arguably, and it's only because I like you. I don't agree with you even a little bit at all. I think undeniably improves every team. The, but for the Oilers, for the Oilers to not want to pony up that price, you yes. are out. No, of we've, your we've had we've had this discussion. Like we had this discussion on Thursday. I think we sent each other like four hundred texts back and forth on Thursday night. We wrote infinite jest about Taylor Hall. Yeah. Oh my God. Every time it's like it, at this point, it's like when you you've got one of those fish stories. It's like the fish was this big. Like it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. But. <laughs> If you, and those were the teams I mentioned, the Oilers. I did not know he would would have waived for the Oilers. The Oilers and the Calgary Flames were the two teams in the Canadian division who I'm like, if you had the chance to get Taylor Hall, you even give up the first, yeah, because you have such a yawning chasm in your top six scoring that even if he doesn't get a, a kickstart, he's better than what you, he's by default. Even if he doesn't get a kickstart, and I know there's the quarantine, and I know you're only getting him for seven games of the regular season to gel in. Even if he doesn't get a kickstart on the Oilers or the Flames, he is better than most of the pieces they've got rounding out their top six by default. He's better my than most of the players in the league. I, my, my thing is I don't believe by default he's better than most of Toronto's top six. Case closed. I mean, okay, well, Hyman, you can argue. Uh, Nylander, I would say no. Matthews Marner, I'd say no. What do you think? Galchenyuk is better than Hall? Respectfully. That's the – no, that's the one player. That's the, that's, that's Okay, it. well, if there's a maybe, if there's a maybe that he's better and Zach Hyman goes out, then you need another top six player, which, by the way, there's not six offensive players and six defense. It's not Brian Burke 2004. Just get good players. You're thinking too much. People are galaxy-braining themselves out of not acquiring a 60-point guy for a fucking second-round pick, and he is tearing it up in Boston. Tearing it up. Almost like he's playing for a contract there. I don't care what he's playing for. I don't care if he fucking comes in looking for a pogo stick and a shell necklace. He's coming in. He's making the team good. I'm going to stop this. I will give you the last word on this as a uh, element of respect to you, uh, or we could just move on because I know it makes you sad to talk about this so much. It's not, it's not even, I would like to know, like, I, I, I think it just got this entire thing from a, a week, a, a, a week and change going through this. I would like to know what your internal compartmentalized thoughts of me were when we go through this, like, I sent you the photo of the two monkeys having a knife fight on the Simpsons <laughs> because like some moments in our text, you got worked up. Like you started throwing like shade at my fan. You started throwing shade at my fantasy team on Thursday night. You're like, Oh yeah, this I is what I said. I said, I said, Charles, <laughs> you have, this is my exact words because I think it's a good burn. I said that, I said that you have a lot of ability. You have a lot of confidence in your ability to construct a roster for a man whose fantasy team is 29th out of 30. It's like, you have that, <laughs> it's like you have that printed off reading it right there. Like, no, you know I why like, I know oh. it so well? Because I was going to say it once before and I wasn't going to because I thought it was too mean. But then you kept coming at me. <laughs> I'm, not coming, I'm not coming at you. I just feel that historically with the pieces we have, he doesn't 
solve the problems of our past failures. Yeah, but nothing is ever going to solve those problems of our past failures. Let's move on. So I'm going to t- Charles, I have a game prepared, and I hope you did not look at this in the game notes. I have two. I did not, no. They're both uh, goalies in our division. Okay. Goalie A, for the last two years, has a combined 921 save percentage. Goalie B has a 906. This year, if we're going to go into some advanced stats, goalie A is fourth in goals saved above expectations and sixth in wins against replacement. The other goalie is 31st in high danger save percentage, 26th in games uh, goal saved above expectations, eighth in wins against replacement. The years, uh, the year previous to that is the same. Goalie A is eighth and ninth in those stats. 20, uh, goalie B is 26th, 25th, and 35th in those stats. Now, we, what those mean, I don't really think is that important. It just ranks based on people who study goalies, which goalie mm-hmm. is better. So my question for you, Charles, is would you rather have goalie A or goalie B? And this is a yes or this is a one-word answer. One because word answer, one okay. Of, there's one more piece of, of information which I'm going to give to you after. Yeah. Uh, you I already know who who goalie B is. Uh, I didn't look at the notes, but I, I listened to a sports head say one more. Kevin, okay, I'm gonna go goalie A. That's an excellent choice. Yeah. Let me uh, add more information. Okay. Goalie B cost ten million dollars. Yeah, I, 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 I price. Goalie yeah, A. I goalie A is Jake Allen. And so, so if you're if you're listening to this, if you're listening to me and Matt uh, speak, thank you. First of all, uh, but number number two is uh, I, I urge you to listen to Friday, April sixteenth version of Hockey Central, where they had a goalie uh, analysis expert on who not only w- was like just great at breaking down how goalies should be evaluated in the future with respect to how they play in their crease and how they play as a cohesive unit with that team. But also the dude does not hold back, and it was just a great interview. And he brought up uh, that Carey Price was was uh, ranked thirty first in high danger scoring chances. So that's what gave it away to me. And the only reason I teed up those stats for you, I know it might be. I mean, that's a, a kind of a silly little game, and it it's not the clunkiest. It's a bit of clunky podcasting, but this is the question. <laughs> mm-hmm. At a certain point you have to realize that Jake Allen is the beggar, the better bet for the Montreal Canadiens. They've done it before. And that's the thing. Everyone keeps saying, that's like the price contract, this, that, that they have done it before. Like they put all their eggs in carry price basket. And then who was their backup brought them on a magical run, which if yeah, NBC but that was different. Terry scheduling. Price was a child. Then he was an unproven child. He is a legend. now. Yeah. it's awkward. I, if you're Mark Bergevin and you want, like, you, you've got a mandate to go. Obviously, his, his mandate was we're spending all this money in the offseason and none of it's coming back in terms of gate revenue. You've got to do well and have playoff success. I don't think it comes with the strings attached that you've got to do well and have playoff success, but it's got to be the goalie that's making $10 million in the crease. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be the case at all. Like, I, I think, and especially with a new coach there, I think – He's got no other choice but to if, – if one presents himself as a hot hand, yeah, uh, you, you've got to do it. But I, I, going into it too, like there's so much of goaltending that, that just kind of doesn't get brought into it is, is how they play with the guys in front of them. Like that's, Sure. 
But the thing is, though, I don't think this is a hot hand situation anymore. This is a, a sustained two-year sample with an Asian goaltender and a guy in his prime, and Jake Allen is outperforming him consistently and playing very well for what it's worth. I, I actually I can hear I can hear a Habs homer on my street screaming small sample size just because they don't want to talk about how bad the Carey Price contract is. Oh boy, it's but bad. But that's always the, that's always the one they come back with. Um, Man, it's it's been... a, not a small sample size, not anymore. No, I know. I, I, I that's that's usually what the Habs people kind of that's their first knee jerk reaction when you talk about Carey Price's decline. Truthfully, I don't think he has been the same player since he stepped on the puck that time and had the injury I long know. term. And it's it's just such a weird, awful way to fall from. And it's not like a it's not like it was a giant tumble. It was just a little bit slower, a little bit older, a little bit slower, a little bit older. But the thing about Carey Price is that you always have it's like I don't you can't really put a name on it. But when the playoffs come. And maybe this is just like my pre, like my biases and stuff like that. But when the playoffs come, he's got a way of acting like it's the Super Bowl and WrestleMania poured into one in every single game. He's got a way of finding a form that he just doesn't consistently have when the playoffs come. Like they lost to Philly in six games uh, last year in the first round after the play-in round. I believe it might have been five, but I think six is, is ringing to me. Not one of those losses can be like, oh, that goal or that game is on Carey Price. He had a great playoffs last year, undeniably. And it, it's, yeah, like, I wouldn't, I don't I, I'll tell you this. I wouldn't want to be the guy making, like, it's easy for me to sit down and say, like, yeah, goalie A, 100%. But I wouldn't want to be the guy making that call, like, May 11th or 12th or something. I just wouldn't I want agree. that. I agree. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't want the, I wouldn't want to. It's not an easy choice. Like if I don't know, I'm a, I'm a big coin toss guy. When I can't decide something, I, I always keep a loony in my pocket to flip. Maybe I do that. I mean, it's it's. I this okay. So this is crazy, and I'm, I recognize this is crazy because I see the evidence here that it's different. Like Carey Price in the last two years, like he has been good in the playoffs. Like he's got a career career. He's a nine seventeen in the playoffs. But, you know, in the last three years, 936, 933, 920, 919, those numbers are fantastic. Those are playoffs numbers, but that's over a span from, like, going back to 2013. I mean, yeah. so, like, my – but I going down the stretch, I'm running Jake Allen, if nothing else, than to let Price kind of rest up. Uh, I think that's what they're going to do. I don't know. I can check. I don't know who is the uh, de facto starter tonight, mm -hmm. um, but I think that's kind of what they're leaning towards, even if it's, even if it's not uh, him. I just think that's the way it's going to kind of be going forward. If it's not a, an in-out, in-out, A-B, A-B situation, because the Habs do have a handful of back-to-backs coming up as well. Tons. And, uh, it looks like Price is starting against the Oilers tonight, though. So he's the confirmed starter. So yeah, they got to get him. They got to get him going. I, but it's again like, and I'm not a big. Obviously, we talk about this a lot. I'm not a big intangibles guy. I'm really not. But uh, you know, it takes a certain amount of nerve to play in the playoffs. Carey Price has it, and uh, as a man, I'm rooting for him. Uh, and as a man who hates the Montreal Canadiens, I'm rooting for him to never make a save again. <laughs> 
I will always, I will always have a very, very soft spot for Carey Price uh, if he does finish his career as a Montreal Canadian and the Toronto, and they stay out of the Toronto Maple Leafs way. I would have no reservations on seeing Carey Price uh, lift the Stanley Cup as long as it's, like I said, they stay out of the Toronto Maple Leafs way and they don't have to go through the Leafs and stuff like that. But there's just something about the guy. Um, I remember watching his uh, speeches when he won the Hart Trophy that time. Yeah. I remember watching, it, like, he had his Olympic gold medal on for all of about five minutes in Sochi. And he takes it off and he gives it right to his dad. And he says, here you go, this is for you. There's just something about the guy that just is just 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 uh it's so nice he's like, so likable so, he's so likable that's the he's word a fucking I'm class for. act yeah he's so likable there is not a single thing that i would wish ill on or, or against Kerry price because he he is like i want to see him uh pick his game up and finish his career and have that talk where it's like hey is he a hall of famer um because he's definitely a franchise player. Like people yes. our age, when we get into like our fifties and stuff, and if we have kids and we're talking about goaltending, we would be the people like saying, Oh yeah, but you had to, like you had to be there with Gary Price. Like that's the, yeah, know, that's the kind of thing. So yeah. And uh, he, he is. Yeah. So I would like, I can't say like, fuck, I hope he wouldn't stop a TV. <laughs> no, I, you know what? And when I say that, I feel bad. But let's yeah, see, because we're, see, running, we're running a bit uh, we're running a bit low on time here. So let me ask you a question. This is a yes or no question. Mm-hmm. If we must get mm-hmm. into it more, you can come back next week with your answer thought out. But snap decision, yes or no? Montreal has a good playoffs this year. Carey Price mm-hmm. has a great playoffs this year. They don't mm-hmm. win. A team mm-hmm. calls you and is offering to take Carey Price's contract off your books starting next year. Is your answer yes or no? I got to go no. Uh, I'm yes and nope. Nope, we got no more time. Sorry, buddy. We can come back (laughs) next week, but I told you, man. Some things have to be short. What else is happening in Montreal? Oh, this, uh, is, this is torture for me. You know that. <laughs> well, buddy, you can, uh, well, you, can, you can write an essay for The Athletic and maybe they'll <laughs> throw it up for you. Eric Stahl, uh, who I think we both kind of yearned for. I think you and I were yearning for a version of Eric Stahl that might not be there right now. According to Evolving Hockey, in goals against replacement, he's last in the league. He's got no points in seven games for the Habs. They got no cap space, so they can't even get Cole Caulfield out of the ice. It's getting messy in Montreal. It really is. It's it's cause for concern. That's for sure. I tell you what, the uh, they're, obviously they're they're tied up with the Flames. They're playing the Oilers tonight. If they drop that game against the Oilers and the Flames win against a team that they haven't beat all year we got something on our hands like we got uh what's that quote from arrested development you got a stew going <laughs> like you know that's 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 all i'm like that's i would not i'd love a race panic. honestly i don't want the last the end of the I, season to... yeah and and that's i i'm i'm with you on that i would enjoy a race uh i just don't think i don't think it's sustainable for calgary i just don't think they can it's do a, it. it's a big mountain to climb yeah, it is. But uh, my God, but, is if, if but Montreal on their own are not making it easy. We were talking, we were criticizing the Victor Mete thing. Joel Edmondson, the last little while, is getting caved in to sign him to that contract and lose a young player for it, and constantly put him out in the lineup. It's like Washington when they took out Carl Alsner and put in a young Nate Schmidt, and all of a sudden they were sick. 
Joel yeah. Edmondson is is Carl Alsner right now. And that's funny because he was brought in to replace Carl Alsner, who was Carl Alsner, and they bought him out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, you know. Yeah, um, but I mean, and Mark Bergevin did that. Eventually, if you you gotta that every GM has a weak spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mark Bergevin. And it's usually the, the position they played. <laughs> you oh my god, Charles, every Charles, every episode you say Mark Bergevin plays left defense, so he's stockpiled left defenseman. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I mean... Uh, I don't know, man. The evidence is overwhelming. I'm going to agree with you, so you stop saying it. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it's... His he can't evaluate defensemen. I think that's the thing. He it, it's constantly there's a guy on that roster at least one every year that he trots out and it's sinking the team. <laughs> Joel Edmonds is that guy this year. I yeah. mean Shea Weber's looking dicey. Brett Kulak says so I'm not being too mean. Looking pretty good. Shea Weber had the one real bad game, and it's because they're so tight in the stand. Like he had the one real stinker there last week. That like he. Guy it's more than one out. stinker, though, man. He's it's 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 been a sustained bad run of, of games. He's I read something in the Montreal Gazette today was just crucified Shea Weber, <laughs> just like where they it's were like the second they put the C on him, I was like, well, they're going to trade him. That's the trade every captain they've ever fucking. Well, had. they should trade this one, Seattle. I mean, no, no, I think he'll stay. And, like, I don't know. Like, Shea Weber, I'm not saying he's a useless player, but I don't know how many years he's got left on that contract, but it's not. 20. 20. Like, it's 20. It's like 20 more years. This might make me come back around in the other direction for a third time on the Shea Weber PK Subban deal because we've got one, two, three, four, five more years. He's already 35 years old. The wheels are starting to come off, Shea Weber. I that said, and let me say this: in a, in a playoffs where there's no fucking mm-hmm. rules apparently, because this sport is dumb, Shea Weber's one of those guys that's going to be oh, able yeah. to take advantage of that. And I bet he yeah, it's mightily clutching and yeah, clutching and grabbing and cross slowing checks. you down and cross checks and everything else. Here's the thing about that trade, and I bring probably bring this up quite frequently. I've I've got a brother of mine who. He's probably texting me right now because he's got a spidey sense that when we get back to this trade and he likes to tell me I was wrong. One of the things he brought up is there is a safety release valve on the Shea Weber contract by means of LTIR. You could find something with that man and be like, Shea, boy, you can't go no more. Like, you can't go. You just can't do it no more. Like, your body's breaking down. And then he goes off into the sunset on LTIR and you don't have to worry about it. The Montreal Canadiens have deep pockets. They can pay him. They can pay him to stay at home if they need to. If he becomes that much of a liability, he's going to be LTIR'd into a retirement. Well, let me say this. Whoever tells Shea Weber that he has to go on LTIR is also going to go on LTIR because Shea Weber is going to rip that person to shreds. He is a terrifying man. I don't know. Uh, one of the sayings that I, I pick up on like a bunch of these hockey books that I read from players is like, you kind of retire twice. You retire the first time you think your body can't do it for a full season. And you got to think that Shea Weber's getting close to that. I don't know, man. I, uh, it's a situation to be monitored. Uh, he's, he's had those foot injuries too, like those real bad ones, like a couple of them. I know, so and dude, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how tough of a human being you are. All of our feet 
are little babies. It's just lots of tiny bones. It doesn't matter if you're fucking King Kong. If I fought King Kong, if I was got, I would step on his foot. That's how I would fight. Um, Okay, so this always happens. There's something about the (laughs) winner. There's something about the Winnipeg Jets that inspires nothing in me. Let me give them credit. They are the hottest team in the last 10 games, 6-3-1 in the division. They have moved ahead of Edmonton. Uh, Connor Hellebuck is, I mean, really putting a case in for the Vesna. And now your old friend Laurent Brassois is up to, uh, and had a 931 there last week. Like, their goaltending's good. They added, you know, they didn't really fix their blue line, but they have so much firepower. Um, I can't figure out this team, Charles. How about Nikolai Ehlers, whose name was in the trade rumors there earlier on the season, and now oh my he, God, is yeah. just, he is just crushing everything he touches right now. He's just on fire. Um, I don't know. Why, I, I could not find you something to compare the Winnipeg Jets to. Um, the Leafs last a work year. in progress? Uh, no, because I think they're better than that. I think they're better than the Leafs last year. A work in progress. Yeah, true there. Consider it. Yeah, like I, I would call it up front. You don't really have to add much of anything at all. Up no. front, like they're they're top they're top nine, impeccable. I'm not sold on the coach being the coach that gets him over. I will say that some of the decisions Paul Maurice makes, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning. Um, but they, they really could have. And, and Kevin Sheveldayoff did say, I don't think we got to this in our trade deadline show, but he did say like twice in his presser that it's like some of the deals we were working on were for players that didn't move. You got to think he was talking Eckholm and Manson. You got to think they were going after two big ducks there, or two, two big Big fish in, in in that pond. Totally, both you those guys would have been great fits. Oh my god, that would have uh, well, both of those additions on their blue line, and then what they've got in the crease there, it would have probably put them over the the hump for the Canadian division, in my opinion. Well, they got Jordy Ben. I will say this about uh, the Jets: is that they, I I would I also have a note here on Ehlers. Ehlers is fantastic. Oh yeah, he's he's, he's just. just like one of I wasn't them. like he he burned the Leafs there for a shorty. I think was he the guy to get the short last Wednesday? <laughs> I wasn't even mad. I was like, yeah, of course. I was like, yeah, that makes that's that's on brand for how he's playing right now. He's one of the he's one of the best guys in the league. Uh, one of the best wingers in the league right now. Certainly in the division. Same question. Same question to you. It's the summertime. You're the GM of the Winnipeg Jets. You're Kevin Sheveldayoff. You are wearing a polo shirt because that's the only thing the man has in his wardrobe. <laughs> Your phone rings. You've got an immaculate summer tan. You just came in from golfing, and uh, it's someone phoning you about Mark Shifley. And they're willing to give you, you know, a pick at the draft, an A prospect, and probably a, a, a late pick at the draft. They're looking for a first, a late pick, and an A prospect. Do you do it? Define A prospect. And in terms of like, is this guy going to turn into a 60-point guy, a 75-point guy? What, what are we looking uh, at? So we're, we're not going to talk of someone that's going to make the jump in the next coming season, they're a season away. So wrote okay. it up, Amirov, Amirov. Let's say it's Amirov, just for the trouble. Oh, that's a no I, for me. Yeah. 
I think Mark mm-hmm. Shifley is a flawed player. I think he is an excellent passer and, that's, and an excellent so power play Kevin, weapon. But you're Kevin Chivalbay off. You're saying no to that? 100%. And here's why. Okay. Um, okay. I think Shifley's an effective player. I, think, I don't think you build your team around Shifley. I think Mark Shifley's very useful. He's not going to win you a Selkie, but he's a great power play player. Him and Kyle Connor, I feel the exact same way about both of them. Neither of those guys can play a fucking lick D. But... <sighs> They can play. You know what I mean? Those yeah, guys okay. are going to get you points, and that is important. I think with the thing about the Winnipeg Jets is if you have a goalie like Hellebuck, you got I think you're, you're all in every year. You got him on a reasonable deal. You have good pieces. You got Dubois. You got, you got Ehlers. You know, Mason Appleton's a, a young player I rate much better than Mason Benton, I might add. They just re-signed Adam Lowry. He's a, I think he's a horse. I can't tell if he's actually good or not. Pionk has been fun. DeMello's underrated. Pionk has been, yeah, Pionk has been great. Dylan DeMello is, is uh, they got pieces. Be a good player. Plus, like, I don't know what's going pieces. on with Brian Little or Blake Wheeler. Those are the guys that if I can get value for them, I'm moving. I don't know if they can move. I don't know what their injury status is, but I would, I, I think the Jets are one, like one or two good free agent signings on the blue line that away from uh, being a genuine, you know, just you, you need guys. If you're going to have guys like Shifley and guys like Connor, guys who are definitely great assets, in my opinion, I wouldn't move, but you do have to have someone on the back end who is going to shore up your blue line and eat the most minutes for you. Like, I don't know. Like if you can get uh, like, Dougie Hamilton, for instance, is not going to go anywhere yeah. next year. But yeah. if you could get Dougie Hamilton, even if you can't, who else is up next year? Uh, Ryan Murray can come in. Uh, I mean, Jesus, now that I'm looking at this, there's not a lot of UFAD. My point is, no, I don't think I move him, but I do. I think their, their blue line is such a clear, it's such a clear problem. And I don't mean that in the sense of like, they're useless. I just mean like there's the flaw in the Jets right there. There's yeah, there's 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 some holes in that cheese. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh I think they're good. I mean here, Matt. Sorry? Okay, there was a large amount of screaming outside my door. I just wanted to make sure there was nothing going down there. Oh, that's Mark Shifley t- asking you to show him some respect. <laughs> Um, we don't have much to get into the Sens, and frankly, I don't feel bad not getting into the Sens right now. The Sens. Do you want playing. to bring up one thing? I, I do, do too. Bring up I have literally thing. one, okay. and I bet it's the same thing. But you can go first. All right, they're the only team out of thirty-one that have not been shut out yet this season. Yep, and you know what? I respect that. I think this this season for the Senators is a success. I think they got a lot of pluck. They're taking every week they take a game away from one of those top four teams. It's fun yep. to see. I respect yeah, it, is. it. They got good young players, man, and their their young players are playing well this year. Kachuk, Batherson, Josh Norris, Stutzla. Zup. Zup. <laughs> Zup. Uh, they've been really good, and I got to give a shout out. This is a shout out, and I wanted actually. It's a it's a different thing, so I'm I'm happy to hear that. I got to give some love to Connor Brown here. Uh, Connor Brown oh, yeah, yeah. has had the longest goal scoring streak. Did I say that like a human? Let's take that. <laughs> Connor Brown has had the longest goal st- goal scoring. You know what, Car- Charles? Can you say you know what word I'm trying to say? Yeah. Okay. So what Matt is trying to say is Connor Brown has the longest goal scoring streak. Thank you. 
of this century. Thank you very much, Charles. I literally, I'm not exaggerating, would not have been able to do that without you. So thank you for having my back on that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he I think centuries, he scored, he was on is, fire. That's the longest since the 2000s of cut in? Apparently so, unless I have bad information, in which case I'll apologize next week. But I did, you know, <laughs> in a year like that with the Sens, I think if you're a Sens fan, and if you're listening to this, if you're a Sens fan and you're listening to a podcast by two Leafs fans about the Canadian division that we always do the Sens last, you are a godsend. I hope you know what you're signing up for. You your future's bright. Connor Brown, I just I I love that for Connor Brown. Those are the little nuggets that just have to make you just have to make you happy, and just little things. I've been there, man. We've we've had it. The Leafs have been a terrible team. We've been there, and little things like that oh. do make you happy. You know what I mean? Clark MacArthur, man. He was, oh, yeah. you know, like, you know what? I, yeah, that era. Like, oh, Mark MacArthur was my favorite. Now, I think we're gonna. I think we're almost done here. Now, uh, I also love mm-hmm. that line, but uh, we're we're running a little <laughs> a little bit late. But we did want to end this podcast with a shout out to a friend of the entire league. I don't yes. know. And you know what's funny? When we were talking about Carey Price, I was like, I don't know anyone who is so universally beloved as much as Carey Price. And I, do, I say this with no discredit to Price, but there is one man who might be, and he is going to uh, set a record tonight, a huge one. Charles, tell so the people. So we're, we're, uh, we're, we're, breaking, we're breaking our own law here, and we're going down, and we're going to Border Patrol, and we're going to – Dibble into the West Conference of the United States uh, for the San Jose Sharks member, Pat Marlowe, who is tonight going to skate in his 1,668 NHL game, which is a lot of games, but it is one more than Gordie Howe's previously record, which was thought to be unbreakable, uh, which was 1,667. Now, Gordie Howe played that when he was well into his, I believe he was 51 years of age, playing for the Hertford Whalers. Uh, Pat Marlowe, it's just a testament to the longevity the work he puts in to keep his body uh, where it needs to play in the greatest sports league or the greatest hockey league in the world. And uh, he's one of those guys that you'll never see a, a player, regardless of who they are, like take a cheap shot uh, at him or run their mouth like a Drew Doughty or anything about him. Uh, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you saw all the Instagram posts and stuff. Yeah. To wrote this coming up tomorrow. So yesterday, uh, but it, it's one of those, like it's not often that, you get to watch something that's for my entire life was like, well, no one's ever going to touch that record. And then Yager came close. He was about a 70 or 80 games away from it, I think. And I honestly didn't think it was attainable. I thought when Marlowe got bought out, I didn't think he was coming back to the NHL and he's two seasons removed from that. So uh, I'm staying up pretty late just to watch him take his first shift tonight. I'm pretty excited for it. And, uh, Hey, he's going to pad that a little bit if he stays healthy for the next 12 games of the year. So that's something. He's a gent. He's a gent. Yeah, that's... I, I mean, I think literally everyone in the world wishes him the very best. And to just end this on a complete bummer, so sad <laughs> that he's not doing it in front of a full crowd because, my God, oh, that really yeah. would have been something. Yeah, that would have uh, skating out last there. There's some great quotes to look up about him and his uh, his idolizing of Mario Lemieux and then last year ending up with the Penguins. Uh, I thought that was yeah, that's yeah. some fun reading for you. 
Yeah, he he's. I also love he takes an ice bath in between every intermission. That's so. You ever take an ice? You ever take an ice bath? I have. Oh, I can't stand them. Oh no, a lot yeah. of screaming. <laughs> a lot of screaming. <laughs> yeah, well, not Patrick Marlowe. Patrick Marlowe just persists, and we wish him the best. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Really, really appreciate it. Charles, uh, Brittany Lysing, follow Charles at Smokes Indoors. Follow Brittany, uh, and. Yeah, uh, rate the podcast. I think that's the thing. If you have friends who like hockey, tell them about it. Uh, and but mostly uh, to you, the listener, <laughs> our dear listeners, our dear listeners. Uh, thanks for being here, and congrats, Patty Marlowe. You're a beaut. 